the Gideon said, hey, we'd like to send, send a speaker. And, and I said, absolutely. And, and his name is Dr. Dan Scott. Now, he doesn't go by doctor. He is an attorney. And yes, he is a Christian and an attorney. <clears throat> there is such a thing. So I have all kinds of wonderful attorney jokes I'm not going to tell right now. But <clears throat> so I call him Dr. Dan. I like that, Dr. Dan. He is from Knoxville, Tennessee. He's been at Gideon since 1989. He is the former president of the Tennessee Association of the Gideons. He's traveled to over 24 countries representing the, the Gideons. So he's been all over the world. He, he has also been a, a Sunday school teacher and has taught young marrieds for 17 years at Seven Heights Baptist Church. And he ser currently serves as the international trustee for the United States. Uh, uh, he's in what they call zone eight for the Gideons. He represents Tennessee. Kentucky and Missouri, Mississippi. Is that right? And so uh, we are excited to have him here. Would you make him feel welcome this morning? I have to get my timer out here because some. Um, I know we got to go to lunch. I need that Bible to save my soul. I need that Bible to save my soul. That's what the young man said as he came down the steps. You see, we were at, on the sidewalk in New York City. We were doing school distribution and the, the leaders in New York City had an idea that we can keep all the riffraff out if we will make uh, the, the sidewalks around the school in that entire block part of the school property. And that way we can outlaw anybody from coming on the school property other than the students and the teachers. And so that way we get the repraff out. So what we did, we looked for another place that we could do distribution. And we noticed that just on the, on the other side of this block where the school was, there was a subway where the steps came down. You know, most of us think of a subway as a subway, right? Underneath, well, not in New York City. And just like everything's bigger in Texas, well, everything's different in New York City. Because this one was above ground and the students came down those steps. So we set up at the bottom of the steps so that we might be able to share with them a copy of the Word of God. And we started that work and everything was going good. And, and then this young fellow comes up, he sees the older guys down there and he decided he's going to taunt them a little bit and he throws his hand up in the air. He says, I need that Bible to save my soul. I need that Bible to save my soul. You know, and as we were coming down the steps, George Robinson said to him, son, you sure do. Let me give you one. And he reached his hand out and gave him a copy of the New Testament. The one book that he could have gotten that day that will tell him how he can know in an intimate way the very creator of the universe. You know, amazingly enough, the guy that was taunting us reached his hand out and actually took that book. Well, all of his buddies did as well. And so they went back behind us where there was a little market and they could get them something to eat, you know, a cup of coffee, a Coca-Cola or whatever. But this time when they came out, he had him a prop, you see. Now he had him a little book. And so now he slings his arm up in the air and he holds that book and he says, I need that Bible to save my soul. I need that Bible to save my soul. And George Robinson said, son, let me show you something in that book. So he reached his hand out, the guy gives it to him. So now it was him and George, the word of God 
and the Holy Spirit of God. George opened up the word and in the back of these little testaments, we've got the plan of salvation, how you can come to know Jesus as your personal savior. And he began to share with this young man how God loved him so much, he would allow his son Jesus to come walk this planet and die for him so that he could have a personal relationship with the very creator of the universe. You know, he explained to the young man that, that he likes to do things his own way. And, you know, he said to him, he said, do you like to do things your own way? And he said, well, yeah, of course I do. And George said, well, you know, I do too. And that's what the Bible says is sin. Instead of following God's ways, we follow our own ways. And the Bible says that the wages of sin are death. And he turned it right there and he showed it to right there. Uh, for all have sinned and fallen short of the God. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. That's what the Bible says. And then he shared with him this really important thing. Even though the wages of sin is death, you don't have to pay that price. Jesus Christ already paid that price for you when he hung on a cross in Calvary. And then he read this verse to him. He said, here, God says this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. And he asked that young man, he said, you know, what that means is that if you'll open your heart to Jesus, he will come in to your heart and live inside your heart. Is that something you'd like to do today? This young man who was taunting us 10 minutes earlier opened his heart to Jesus right there on that sidewalk. Now, folks, I want to tell you what happens in heavens when something like that happens. The Bible says that when one of the sheep is lost and he is found and he comes to Christ, that the angels shout for glory. Amen? That's what the Bible says. That's not what I say. And so what happens is the angels are shouting for glory. Of course, we're pretty excited because we exist for one purpose and one purpose only. And that is to win men, women, boys, and girls to Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that we're most known for placement of the word of God in the traffic lanes of life. But really, that's not what our object objective is. Our objective, the only reason we exist is to win men, women, boys, and girls to Jesus Christ. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall accomplish that which I please and it will prosper according to the thing that I send it. Why did God send this word? Really, he sent it for two reasons. He said two reasons. One, I want you to have a book that will show you how you can come to relationship with my son, Jesus. And so the first thing is, if God's going to prosper his word, he's got to use it to bring people to him, right? And the second thing is that we would have a manual for living. But, but you understand, if, if all we become, if all the Guineas International becomes is the greatest Bible distribution network in the world, we have lost our way. Because you see, we place the word of God because God promised his word will not return void. Have you ever seen God work in mysterious ways? Have you? Man, I have. My life, if I had time today, I'd share with you how God worked in my life. Imagine, it's 1898. Any of y'all remember that? 1898, you know, 1898, you're in Wisconsin, 
and you know the uh, the streets are dirt back then right and and the traveling salesmen they would travel to sell their wares and they always had to have a place to sleep so Joe Nicholson checks into the hotel that night or John Nicholson checks in the hotel that night and um, he gets his room but you know the lights not very good in the hotel room so he's sitting down in the lobby and then another salesman checks in well it turns out there's no rooms there's no rooms available for him 1898 and there's no rooms available you see they didn't have Expedia back then right no rooms available but the guy at the front desk says that fellow over there that's doing the paperwork he's got two beds in this room maybe he'll let you stay in his room and so he goes over and he starts up a conversation with him. He tells him, so look, I need a place to sleep. They tell me you've got two beds in your room. Can I share that room with you? And you know what the guy said? Yeah. And so later that night, they went up to the room. Uh, they went up to the room and, and uh, as, uh, um, as they were getting ready for bed, um, Joe Nicholson said to him, said, look, uh, I promised my mother I would read the word of God every single night. You don't mind if I leave the lamp on. A lamp, you know, you know, lamp. I don't mind if I leave the lamp on so that I can read the word of God. Well, they began to talk about spiritual things. They began to talk about spiritual things. And over a few days, God moved on them to start an organization whose purpose was to assist the spiritual life of traveling salesmen and to bring men and women to Jesus. So for 10 years, from 1898 to 1908, the Gideons International never placed a single copy of God's word, you see. So we started as an organization designed for bringing people to Jesus, and that's what we still do. Well, 1908, what happens? 1908, we're able to, to speak at an um, organization, what you would, we would think about here today, we would call it the association. We were able to speak at the association, and, and um, a Presbyterian minister stands up after the presentation, he says, look, I think... I think that we ought to support the Gideons International and get them, help them get Bibles in hotels. And they bought the first 25 Bibles there in that association meeting to put into a hotel room. And that's how we started. Now, that's a pretty humble beginning, right? So what happens? What happens? God continues to bless the ministry. Do you know why? Because we're true to our our objective of winning the loss to Jesus. We began here in the United States. Of course, back then, you know, the, the United States was really, really big. You know, the interstate system made the United States really little, right, in the, the uh, plane system, but it was really big. And so we began working in the United States. I apologize to you. Um, I've got sinus, sinus infection, so I'll bring it back from Tennessee. The... Um, um, we began working in the United States and over time we said, Lord, would you have us take your word into other countries? And slowly God began to bless that. You know why? Because we are taking hope to a world that desperately needs hope. And so today we are working in 200 countries, territories and possessions. And what we do is we go into hotels and motels and schools and jails, doctor's offices, lawyer's offices, and we know they need it, right? 
Somebody came up to me after the first service and they said, Brother Scott, I've got some really good lawyer jokes. You want to hear them? I said, no, not really, because they're not any new ones for me. Because we're true to the mission that God has given us, he's continued to bless us. And what happens is we extend your reach, your church, beyond where you could possibly go. I've had the great opportunity to travel around the world, 24 countries, doing the work of the ministry, training Gideons and auxiliary, our wives and widows, uh, training them how to do better in doing the work of the ministry. Um, but very few Gideons ever do that. Most Gideons work in their own Jerusalem, their own hometown. But we have people, business and professional men, in these 200 countries, territories, and possessions, doing the work of the ministry. Have you ever heard of a country called Syria? You know, we don't hear much about Syria anymore, right? It seems like when we start a new war, there's a new country that we hear about. But, you know, for a long time, we used to hear about Syria uh, on the news. And big conflict there, primarily a Muslim nation. In Syria, we've got two camps. That's the organization that, for the local uh, ministry. Two camps with 22 business and professional men who say, I'll take the gospel to the country of Syria. You say, well, Brother Dan, how can you take the gospel into a country where they're primarily Muslims? Because the Holy Spirit of God draws people to the gospel. I had the great honor to uh, serve as an extended arm of your church and churches like yours in the United Arab, Arab Emirates. Uh, over in the Middle East, they are so rich, they don't work. You know what I'm saying? They do not work. So they import all of their laborers. And there in, in the UAE, there's about 4 million, they call them expatriates, people coming in out front, outside the land uh, to do the work because the, the um, they don't have to do work themselves. And so we were there because there's a huge desire for the gospel for those that come into the country. Now, amazingly enough, when they asked me would I go, I said, well, yeah, but what are we going to do? How are you going to share the gospel there? Well, there are churches sowing seed in that country and it's taking root like crazy. It they're a little scared. You know, sometimes we share the gospel and we're a little fearful. Am I speaking the truth or is it just me? We share the gospel and we're a little fearful. We wonder if, well, will they, will they, you know, make fun of me? Will they, you know, will they think bad about me? You know, will they think less of me? Well, nobody's ever thought that here in this room but me, right? Well, here's the deal. There, this is what some of the locals told me. Not, not the, not the uh, physical people local. I mean, people that were local, that were there, and the immigrants or expatriates. They said, "Be careful about what you say, because if you speak the name of Jesus, they'll put you on a plane and take you out of here if you're if you're lucky." In fact, it was they were so fearful during the training. We had a training session before we started the work. Um, they said, be careful about what you say when you go out into the community. So be careful about this. And then they write the name Jesus on the board. Said, be careful. And then they erased it really quickly. But you know what? Even in that circumstance, 
The Holy Spirit of God is drawing people to him. The Holy Spirit of God is drawing people to him. Why? Because there's going to come a day, there's going to come a day that Jesus is coming back. Absolutely, 100% for sure, he's coming back. And these people need to hear about the gospel and your church and churches like yours all over the world are taking the gospel there. We have, we, because we have so many um, uh, people out in the communities, we're able to go where even, even where missionaries can't go. You know, an example, Ukraine. You know, we hear about Ukraine now on the news all the time. In Ukraine, in Ukraine the, um, of course, the bombing started and they started sending the women and kids out of Ukraine. They wouldn't let anybody leave Ukraine if you were of, of uh, fighting age. You know, none of the men could leave. If you're fighting age, you got to stay and fight. But everybody else left. Well, so what's happened? What's happened is they're going to these other countries, uh, Romania, Germany, um, uh, all of the ones right around there. Well, guess what? Do you know what they have when they go? Pretty much what they can carry in a bag. I mean, they leave everything they've got to try to get to safety. Well, the Gideons International, because we have Gideons in Romania, uh, in, in um, uh, Germany, in those surrounding countries, and Ukraine as well. We sent over a million New Testaments in the Russian and Ukrainian language. Why? Those people need hope, and we need to give it to them. And it's the local church that God commanded to do that. See, in Matthew 28, he told us to go into all the world, all the world, and take the gospel to the world. That's what he told me and you to do, right? Beginning right in Jerusalem, right? Beginning here right at home. So, okay, well, so what about at home, Brother Dan? What about at home? Well, think about this just a minute. You know, we just had a big event down in Uvalde, right? These, in these events like this, the family comes in because they're so desperate so desperate to support their loved ones. But you know, there's a lot of sorrow there. Because they're looking for some bright light, some, something that would give them hope. And you know what happens? The Gideons International are there. Plenty of other relief agencies taking food and that sort of stuff. But we as an extended arm of the church are taking the gospel and placing it into their hands. And I want to tell you this, when, when you give the gospel to them, they want to know more about it. You know, in the United States, a lot of times when we hand them a scripture, uh, they'll take it, but they really won't ask you a whole lot about it. But in most of the foreign countries uh, and in these emergency situations, they want to know about it. They want to talk to you about what's inside. I remember being in Lima, Peru, we were at a university and we do a lot of university distributions at, in Knoxville, Tennessee. We have a little university, y'all probably heard of it, University of Tennessee, right? So um, I will tell you this, um, uh, my brother was, was telling you, and I'm a lawyer, I really am. When I was early in my career, I went to some training, trial training at SMU. I was young, man, I, I uh, led, led a pretty sheltered life, right? And so I'm at SMU and they're all talking about UT, UT, UT. And I called my wife that night and I said, man, this is crazy. They're all Tennessee fans down here. <laughs> anyway, University of Tennessee on the first Tuesday of October will be there on the sidewalk placing about 10,000 New Testaments into the hands of the future leaders of the free world.
I was in Lima. The kids were coming, coming along. Um, and honestly, sometimes in those distributions, it goes so fast, you don't really have much time to, to talk with them. And you know, we're passing testaments, passing testaments, they're coming along, coming along. And here in my side vision, I saw somebody standing there, you know? And I turned and looked, and it was a um, college student, had the most beautiful black hair, brown eyes. If God had given us girls, that's what my children would look like. She had her testament, and she had it open like this. And she said, can you tell me about the Jesus of this book? You see, she had got her testament when she went through earlier, and she'd gone in and sat down on the uh, fountain, at the fountain, you know, where the edge of the fountain is, and began to read the scripture. And she kept hearing about Jesus, and she wanted to know more. I called for a guy that was down the way. I said, hey, man, come here and take my post right here. And I went inside with her and opened the gospel, shared with her the truth about who Jesus was, and she gave her life to Christ. You see, when I say that, when I say that placing that word of God into people draws them to Jesus, it's because that's what happens over and over. You know, we have a lot of uh, hotels in, um, uh, I'm, I'm from just uh, out of Knoxville, but we have a lot of hotels in Pigeon Forge. Have y'all ever heard of a girl down that way by the name of Dolly? You know, Dolly Parton? Well, that's where she's from, Sevier County. Uh, we have about 30,000 hotel rooms and log cabins that people come and sleep there. We'd love to have you come and spend your money there. Um, we were at the, at the Schuler Inn. Uh, we check those hotel rooms the first Tuesday of February every single year. And we go in and we pull the Bible out and we check it and be sure that none of the Bible is defaced because this is a witness for our Jesus, right? And so many times they are defaced and they may have been used as a coaster or something. And it just doesn't look good for, for Christ. So we pull it out. When we pull the Bibles out, what we do is we then uh, put another cover on them. It's got to be soft. You can't send these into the prisons because the prisoners, they don't have anything but time. They're very creative. Uh, so we put what's called a soft cover on them and we put them into the prisons. So we finished that distribution. We were about done and Brother Tim Agee says to me, to, to me said, and the other guys on the team said, look, would you all go down and uh, pray while I share Christ with Barbara? You see, Barbara was the, the girl um, that would open the doors. You know, she had a master key. She would open the doors, we would go inside. She would open the doors, we would go inside. That's how you get to do uh, those hotel rooms uh, every year. And he, uh, Tim Agee, talked with her about who Jesus was. He shared with her the love of Christ. He shared with her her sin problem. And he shared with her the remedy that God provided for sin. And then he asked her this most important question. Is there any reason why you wouldn't give your life to Jesus today? And you know, Barbara, right there on the sidewalk in the Schuler Inn, gave her life to Jesus. Now, folks, I want to tell you this is a very simple thing. God told us to go into all the world with the gospel. And so that's what we're doing. And we go on your behalf to take the gospel to the world. Would you join us? Would you participate with us? Here's how a couple of ways you can help us. First, pray for the ministry. You know, I don't think there's many of us that are a real physical risk sharing the gospel. I mean, we might get made fun of, you know, or we might say, That's a that guy's a kook, that old brother Dan, he's a kook. They might get that. 
but we're not at physical risk. But you know, in many of the countries we're in, in many of the countries we're in, you're risking your life if you share the gospel. But did you know you've got business and professional men and their wives that are still doing it? I remember back, uh, I hadn't been a Gideon very long, so it's been somewhere in the 89, 90 range. We got a call out to pray, you know, and, and the call out was, look, pray ferociously, pray ferociously. We've got um, Gideons that are driving around in their car praying because they cannot meet. They wouldn't, the Gideons International wouldn't tell us the country. It was so secret. And you know, in about five years, we opened the ministry in Liberia. Now imagine that. One, at one date, you can't even pray. You can't even get together and pray. And then five years later, God opens the ministry in Liberia. So, so pray for us. Pray that we be faithful to our calling. Next thing I'd like you to do is I'd like you to support us financially. You know, um, we don't go out and get corporate sponsors to buy these Bibles. Um, we just passed a, a scripture distribution goal this, uh, actually yesterday's business session, um, of 67 million scriptures around the world. We have actually placed 2.4 billion with a B, with a B, 2.4 billion since we started uh, distribution in 1908. Pretty significant. So help us buy scriptures, if you will. There's a couple of ways you can do that. The first is through the, the Gideon Bible card program. You've got a display uh, out there. It's a pretty simple program, really. Um, so often we have family that, a family or friends that die. This gives you the ability to just take this card, uh, make a note, uh, write down how many Bibles you want to purchase, and send it to them. You put the card in this envelope and just mail it to them. This other envelope here is designed to allow you to make your contribution to the Gideons International. It's already gonna be addressed. You put a stamp on it, send your check payable to the Gideons International, and that'll go for the purchase and placement of scripture. And you know, also, in addition to people passing, and I use it a lot because I travel a lot, um, we've got another card called uh, Thinking of You, and it's, it's designed for when we want to honor somebody. You know, uh, my kids were soccer players, and so they had soccer coaches, and I really appreciated the way that they poured their life into my kids. And so always at the end of the year, I would buy them the word of God saying, look, I care enough about you. I appreciate enough about you to give the very best. And you can do that. Um, uh, you can also go to Gideons.org uh, if you'd like to give. Uh, I want you to know that, that God uh, is in control of our ministry. Uh, I'm on what's called the International Cabinet. And I can tell you we do nothing on that cabinet without significant prayer uh, because God continues to wrap our ministry in safety. And so we'd love for you to give. You know, we don't know the impact of a scripture. This scripture here is cost a dollar and 56 cents purchase and place in the hands of someone. The hotel Bible is $5. So we don't know. <coughs> we don't know what the impact of one Bible can be, right? Well, let me share with you Buck Buckaloo's story about how one Bible impacted his life. You see, Buck Buckaloo was a truck driver. And he had a route where he would go out on, on Monday morning and he'd be gone four, day, four nights. And he said that each night, you know, he would check into a hotel and um, he said, look, I just used to get me a six pack of beer and go in the hotel and I'd drink that beer and drink all of them pretty much. And he helped me sleep better, he said. 
And so that was his practice. So he checks into this hotel and said, I, took, I opened up my bag, took my shaving kit. Some of you guys may remember those shaving kits. We don't carry as much in them as we used to, but he goes back in the bathroom and he puts his shaving kit out there and he zips his shaving kit open. And there on the top of his shaving kit is a little book like this one. And that's odd, you see, because he didn't pack that in his bag. And he reaches up and picks it up and he opens it. And there on the front, it says, Dear Daddy, nobody loves you like Jesus does. Turn to the back page. You see, in the back page, we have the Bible verses for the plan of salvation to take a person all the way from John 3, 16, all the way down to I stand at the door and knock. And as he read those verses, these are his words, not mine. As he read those verses, he said, when it said, when it said, I stand at the door and knock, if anyone opens the door, I will come into him. He said, I wanted, I wanted God to come into me. I wanted God to come into me. You know, right there, right there that night, he gave his life to Jesus. You know, we don't know what the impact of one scripture is, but what we do know is that Jesus is in the saving business every single day. We are your emissary in the world to take the gospel on your behalf. Let me turn it over to the pastor.